Well, I'm joined by Jonathan Phillips, who's the chair of the Adult Safeguarding Board in Bradford. So welcome to the programme. Uh, thank you very much, David. It's great to be here. Okay. Maybe just say a little bit about how you, what your journey was towards this and how you're, you know, you're now the chair of the board here. Okay, well, uh, I spent a lifetime in social work. Uh, I was a social worker in Bradford, actually, where I now chair the board for many years. Um, and, uh, but then I left Bradford after a while because I wanted to see wider things. And I went to National Deaf Children's Society because one of my children is deaf. And so I've had a really big interest in deafness for, uh, for a, lot, a very long time. Uh, and from there went to the Social Services Inspectorate and got involved in things nationally and uh, the Commission for Social Care Inspection. And after a long time of um, being a regulator and making judgments about uh, how directors and social services departments were performing, I thought, well, maybe I ought to try and do it myself. Um, and so uh, I was lucky to be appointed as Director of Adult Social Services in Calderdale. Uh, where I worked for about five years and then when I retired I didn't want to stop uh, doing things and so I then chaired a couple of uh, safeguarding adults boards. I've, I chaired North Yorkshire's for a few years um, and, and now I chair Bradford mm. so that's how I got here. So very committed to um, disabled, disabled people, disabled rights and really really making sure that um, the person who needs the support is right at the centre of what professionals Good. are doing. Got it. So, I mean, at the moment, here we are. What, what, what's the focus, would you say, at the moment? What are a couple of points of focus for you at the moment within the adult board, or within the, the whole landscape of adult safeguarding in Bradford? Well, I think that uh, following on from what I was saying just before, the absolute focus uh, is uh, what's, a, what's become a phrase that can sometimes just become a meaningless phrase, which is making safeguarding personal. Uh, and that's, a, that's a, a national initiative. And the principles of that around putting the person at the centre of whatever you're doing with them uh, is actually now enshrined in legislation, which is, which is really good. Uh, and it actually marks quite a big change in the way in which um, people who have been at people with care needs uh, who are at risk uh, are being supported. There was a lot of um, research done a few years ago, mainly with uh, disabled people who'd experienced safeguarding issues. And the really big message that came out from them was that they felt that they'd got caught up in a process where they'd been subject to investigations, they'd been subject to police investigations, maybe people had been prosecuted, and they lost control of what was going on. And rather than feeling actually safeguarded and protected by the services, they actually felt more at risk as a result of what seemed to be this uncontrollable steamroller mm. um, going forward. So um, now we're really trying to work out uh, with people when risks are identified, either by them or very often it's by carers or family, what do they want? What will ha actually help them to feel safer? Which might not be what the professionals want at all. Uh, so, for example, you get situations where uh, somebody might be being 
um, financially abused by a relative. And the professionals might think, well, that person's been exploiting and they ought to be prosecuted. Mm. But actually what the maybe an older person says, well, I don't want that to happen because, yeah, I don't, want, I don't like what they've done to me in terms of my money, but actually I need them and I love them and I want to keep uh, in contact Tricky. with them. So no, don't, yeah. I don't want them to be prosecuted. Now that's very hard sometimes um, for professionals to actually listen to and say, well, okay, maybe there's another way around there. It's a bit more risky to do it. And that's really at the heart of what we're trying to do now, mm-hmm. uh, which means a change of thought, not just for social workers, but for police, for doctors, for nursing staff, for everybody who's, who's working in the sector, really. Financial abuse is very much... Um um, an issue and a problem um, for the adult safeguarding world mm. uh, in the sense that it's not it's one of the few areas that doesn't figure hugely in children's safeguarding. But there are quite a few overlaps, aren't there? There are quite a few areas where the safeguarding world and children and adults do kind of overlap. I'm thinking of mental health issues. I'm thinking of domestic abuse or maybe substance abuse, where yeah. a, a child in a household where these are an issue um, is hugely affected, and so both of us get interested with that. I, I think that's right, um, and, I, and I think a particular area um, is sexual abuse uh, which um, and sexual exploitation, which often gets called child sexual exploitation, and whenever I hear that phrase, I say, no, it's not just child, it's... People can be sexually exploited as as children um, and as adults. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of work that we can do together around that. And in Bra- indeed, in Bradford, we are. Um, I think one of the really positive things that's happening uh, is that the, um, uh, the, the, the hub around sexual exploitation is now... Um, connected up to the adult safeguarding team so they meet on a weekly basis yeah, yeah. Uh, and they and they pick up issues and uh, and that's particularly important I think around um, people with learning disability who can sometimes be targeted mm-hmm. uh, by uh, by people who in the past maybe have targeted children uh, and move on to other uh, vulnerable people so we we need to be aware all the time that people's modus operandi changes particularly in areas where it is a bit organized and and people connect up and uh, and have networked so having those links making sure that people in the adult safeguarding uh, system learn from the experience of what's happened in children's safeguarding and then take that intelligence in there and track people forward I think is really really important and there's some good things happening in Bradford. Uh, well both for that. your board and for me chairing the children's board I mean that's very much a crossover area isn't mm. it we're both in the business of protecting the vulnerable. That's right absolutely yeah. Okay so some of the other um, issues at the moment that seem to be fairly dominant within your board's work, what, what would you like us to, to sort of think about? Well, I think another area that uh, is, uh, is dominant always in safeguarding adults is what happens uh, to people when they're in care settings. And that's probably um, another difference between safeguarding adults and safeguarding children's priorities in that there are a lot of older people and a lot of people, particularly with learning disabilities, still in some kind of 
residential or institutionalised care of one sort or another, much more than there are um, uh, with children. Um, and, uh, and those people are vulnerable, particularly where settings are, 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 are fairly closed and it's difficult to get in. And although regulation has opened that out a bit, there are still a lot of risks around that. And there are still too many uh, examples of poor care that kind of leeches into abusive care. Um, uh, going on and the quality of care in lots of places and West Yorkshire is not one of the not one of the best um, is is not as good as it could be but there's some Bradford I'm really pleased that in Bradford uh, the local authority has really taken uh, taken a grip around this um, and they've moved from what was a bit of a haphazard process of deciding when you stopped placing people in a maybe in an old people's home uh, because uh, you had concerns about it so something that's much more systematic much Mm. more open and much more transparent so that the local authority working together um, with the NHS says very clearly now uh, to care homes what you're doing is not acceptable we're not going to place any more people there You've got to do this, this, and this to improve. And when you've improved, we'll start to uh, we'll start to place again. And uh, I get notified as the chair of each one of those decisions. And what I've noticed is that there was a period of time where most of my notifications were embar- about embargoes starting. And now I'm getting more negoti- more notifications of embargoes finishing okay. Okay. because the quality of service positive has improved. stuff though. so that's yeah. that's really really yeah. uh, good and i think there are probably other authorities that can learn from that kind of systematic process well, it sounds like bradford and and you know west yorkshire is getting its act together on that and learning lessons and yeah. that's, that's what we want to hear because i'm sure the people of bradford can be a bit more reassured about who's looking after the elderly and the vulnerable so, I mean, what other sort of positive um, initiatives would you say are going on at the moment in your world? Well, I think one of the one of the initiatives again that's going on in Bradford and is beginning to uh, happen elsewhere more is trying to involve people who use services much more, both in the appraisal of the services and in uh, improving the infrastructure around them. So, in Bradford. Uh, we have uh, the Safeguarding Voices group, which is a group of uh, people uh, with care and support needs. So that's people with learning disabilities, physical disabilities, older people who come together and advise the the board um, about issues that are going on uh, and things that they think need to be addressed um, and, and also make a constructive contribution. So, for example, we recently... Um, produced a leaflet, an easy guide to what to do if you notice that somebody you think is somebody at risk and the Safeguarding Voices group had a major input into the design of that. They're helping us at the moment with a redesign of our website and uh, uh, as you know David we've got this exciting um, Bradford Safeguarding Week coming up soon um, and one of the key things about that is that the Bradford Voices Group will be touring around Bradford doing some training around how to recognise 
um, abuse of uh, of uh, people with care and support needs. Such a reassurance sometimes to get a consumer group that actually is regularly meeting and yes, talking because right. often people are so busy or so consumed with problems or issues in their own lives that the amount of time they can give to sort of civic involvement yeah. is limited. Yeah. But it sounds very much as if you've... Um, made great strides there with the consumer group that you've got and yeah. that, the voices group. Um, and so good luck to that. So, I mean, I mean, all of these sound pretty positive things. I mean, what other initiatives are going on that you would be quite keen to sort of promote and let the people of Bradford hear about? Uh, well, I think that um, one, of, one really interesting thing that's recently been started that's actually um, been led by... Um, uh, by the members training. So that's the people responsible for developing uh, the skills of counsellors okay. in Bradford, yep. um, is um, a series of, uh, of short video clips done by actors, but based on people's real experiences um, of, 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 of being involved in safeguarding. And there's quite a few around safeguarding adults and there's quite a few around safeguarding yeah. children yeah. Uh, as well. And uh, I think that's a really exciting uh, thing to do. It's, it's um, open access so people can, uh, can log on it and there's questions and discussions uh, that can go on. So it's useful for professionals, it's useful for counsellors, it's useful for really anybody who's interested, including people who use services as well, just to think a bit about... Well, so how would I respond uh, to what are some really quite tricky uh, mm. situations? And that's called real life stories, um, real safeguarding stories. How do people called. access that? Uh, if they just Google real safeguarding stories, then uh, uh, it should come up. I checked it this morning before I came along today and it worked. So it's Bra it's Bradford specific. Yeah, it, it's it's. <clears throat> been done in Bradford mm. in a partnership with a trading company uh, but it's not just for Bradford people you can just google it mm. and it will come up mm. yeah and I think that again that follows that theme of let, let's try and look at this from the perspective of people who have experienced uh, abuse maybe they've maybe they've been a neighbor and they've heard it going on next door or, yes. or maybe it's happened to them or or their relatives, etc. So it's the whole time trying to get inside the heads of people who are who, who are living it in one way or another day to day, not just coming at it from from a professional uh, perspective. It, it's always been um, a difficult um, place, uh, the area of transition from childhood to adulthood. Mm, mm. And if I if we had in the children's sort of sector somebody who was quite vulnerable and who was con going to continue to be vulnerable uh, as they entered adulthood, obviously, they would be coming onto your radar. Yeah. Um, I mean, my view is that we've, we've developed a lot more positive ways of sharing this information. Mm. But I'm sure there's even more ways that we could improve things in yeah. the future. I mean, do you want to sort of mull over that for a minute and sort of talk about your thoughts on, on that? I mean, it, it is good the way we're doing it, but it could obviously be better. So how would you like to address that? Um, yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think there have been um, considerable strides um, and, and there's a lot of, um, a lot of structures being put in place and, and, and there are uh, certainly in Bradford now, there's there's a there's a post that focuses on transitions and uh, and people's move. I I actually um, 
don't particularly like the word transition because transition seems is a service base. It's like moving from children's services to adults' services, and I think we should come up with a you know a, another another word, a development or something that's much more positive. Really, where I think that um, that there's a lot more work to do around it is often helping uh, the parents um, think about what life is going to be. Uh, when as their child moves into uh, adulthood uh, there's a very natural um, never, very natural tendency uh, to, to want to continue to support and maybe nurture a, a childhood dependence uh, into adulthood uh, and that can often in the longer term not be in the learning disabled person for example's best interests um, and, um, and and I think where where we've got more work to do around um, uh, around that transition is to help parents see um, what the future might be in terms of managing personal budgets and uh, enabling uh, younger people to live outside of kind of institutional care because. Um, there are some really great educational services for children uh, and up to the age of 18 and sometimes beyond. But, but sometimes those actually aren't sustainable uh, into, for somebody's whole life. Uh, financially, they are phenomenally expensive and one can't ignore that, although that's not a prima facie reason for, for changing people's services. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, you, you can have... Uh, you, you can see uh, experiences of change. For example, when I was in Calderdale, um, we reconfigured the support services for learning disabled uh, people and uh, uh, we closed some traditional day services mm-hmm. um, and replaced them with supporting people being in normal occupations yeah. and uh, and and that kind of thing, and there was a lot and a lot of resistance more to that from people. Yeah, yeah, much more kind of integrated. Yeah, yeah. But when we started to do it, understandably, because <laughs> people couldn't see um, uh, how it was going to be, there was a lot of resistance to that. Some of it quite vitriolic, um, uh, but actually, some of the most vitriolic people actually came back afterwards and said well now it's happened and now I see what my child is doing this is so much better than what was happening before so there's some I think one of the other things um, that you need to have courage as uh, as counsellors and as professionals that sometimes actually from from what we know around evidence we have to take things on and try and change things even though we know that the people who are being changed aren't going to be and that some, happy about yeah. it. And sometimes people really do need to just experience something to really understand what the benefits are. That's absolutely. Well, look, yeah. as a kind of a, a last a last point here, I mean, we, we will put some details about how to contact the Adult Safeguarding Board on the text to do with this. But um, generally speaking, what would your message to uh, the people of Bradford be to, to do with adult safeguarding in the city. Uh, I mean, we've talked about quite a few good positive initiatives and I think that I would love to reflect that because I do feel that, that it, we are progressing this. Yeah. But I mean, what, what would your message be about, um, about how, to, how to support the people of Bradford? Well, I think uh, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but it is really important to say that safeguarding is everybody's responsibility. 
Um, and uh, what that means in practice is that, say, for example, you have got a uh, relative who is in a care home and you go in there and you think, well, I wouldn't want to live in here. Uh, this just doesn't feel quite right to me. Do something about it. Address it with the care home itself. If you feel that they're unresponsive, then contact um, the local authority, uh, the social worker who placed the person there or safe or safeguarding adults if you're really concerned about that if you're very very concerned then obviously you need to contact the police but don't just stand back and think well i suppose it's okay actually do something about it and the and i think the same goes uh for uh for seeing families in distress don't turn the other way but actually think about well how might it be possible um, to, to help them if people are really struggling with an older person with dementia or uh, something like that. So it's, it's, let's, let's all work on this together, I think. Mm, uh, very good message. I mean, and ultimately it's a case of we know you care. Um, let us help you care. That's right. Yeah, good okay. way of saying it. Fine. Yes. Jonathan, many thanks for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure, David. Okay. Good, good to have chatted to you.